The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Dr. Ken Harris was my first ever guest on the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. He is a friend and chiropractor to Dr. Wayne Dyer, and I had so much fun connecting with him to talk about his book, Synchronicity, last year when he came on that I invited him to come back this time as a Facebook Live guest in the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community. I am sharing it here for all of my awesome podcast listeners. Enjoy. Okay, I think we're live. Let me pinch myself. Wait. Oh, yeah. I'm alive. <laughs> You're live. I'm live. Okay. Everybody's breathing. That's a that's an excellent start. Um, now, let me see if I can. Okay. I think I've got a spot for comments here. So if anybody is watching this and you can see us, please say hello. I think we are up and running now. Um, yes. I see us on my phone. Excellent. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for the live monthly gathering for the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community, the month of March. Can you believe it's almost spring? Um, today I have joining me a very special guest. I'm really excited because I've been wanting to bring him on one of our Facebook lives since he was my first podcast guest. Um, what was that? May of last year? A long, long, long time ago. (laughs) Back when we were newly into the pandemic and everything was changing and I got the podcast started. So let me give you a quick introduction um, for Dr. Ken Harris. He was a pioneer in holistic healing. He's the founder of the Waldo Wellness Center in New Jersey, providing all natural health and wellness for 45 years. Um, He has shared his insights as an author, workshop presenter, and keynote speaker in his new book, Synchronicity. Uh, The Magic, the Mystery, the Meaning, great book. In this book, he talks about meeting Dr. Wayne Dyer and Ram Dass and many other great stories. Uh, He was a friend and chiropractor to Dr. Wayne Dyer. So, Ken, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I'm humbled and honored, as always, Nadia, to be interviewed by you. Oh, well, thank you. We we jumped through some technological hurdles um, today, but we're here, and I'm so excited about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this book? Why don't we start there, Synchronicity? Well, I started having uh, a series of sequential synchronicities with greater intensity and rapidity. And uh, I got the idea that, well, maybe there was something for me to share with the world and teach them how to be aware, awake, and alert to their own synchronicities. Because the truth is, Nadia, 
synchronicity is happening to everyone all the time. They're mm -hmm. just not aware of it. So I came up with a business card, synchronicity is ubiquitous. Mm. Great word, but it just means it's happening to everyone everywhere all the time. And the book gives you a roadmap on how to figure that out for yourself. I, I came to discover there were seven distinct types of so-called random coincidences, but they're all meaningful in some way. And there are six reasons we meet people on our life path. There are five questions you should ask yourself introspectively, the why. And then there are four actual neuroscience practices you can do to increase the intensity and rapidity of your own synchronicities. Many times they're giving by divine grace, and many times you can actually create them. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got some resources on your website, right? That people can, can download some handouts yes. to, to help guide them to understanding synchronicity and inviting that into their lives. Um, right. So, so where, where can people uh, find that? Well, my website is very simple. It's Dr. The Word, D O C T O R, Ken, K E N, Harris, H A, double R I S dot com. There's 100,000 Dr. Ken Harris's, but I'm the only one <laughs> with the full D O C T O R. And on the website, if you register, and the operative word here, ladies and gentlemen, is for free, you're going to get a five page PDF file sent to your email, which will discuss. Uh, the 7654 formula for synchronicity, a user-friendly guide for categorizing and understanding them. That alone, you don't have to read my book, that alone will give you the framework. But if you want to have a, a great, inspiring, entertaining, uplifting experience, this is a great, this book was written through me. It wasn't written by me. I can guarantee you that much. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I feel like the, the mission that you're sharing of, you know, wanting people to know that synchronicities are happening all the time, I feel like that's what motivated Dr. Wayne Dyer to write I Can See Clearly Now. Oh, which is actually right behind me. Is that <laughs> one yeah, I mean, we talk about it as his memoir, but he really wanted to demonstrate that there's kind of this future pull, there's these these connections that in hindsight are a lot clearer, that you reach these choice points and, and these things happen in your life that, that help to direct you or help to sort of... Um, put you on a new path or remind you that you're already that you're already on the right one. Now you have heard, I'm sure thousands of stories of synchronicities from people and you have your own. Um, what's the favorite? What's your favorite story in your own life of synchronicity? Do you have well, one? <laughs> I don't have one. I have a, a potpourri of synchronicity. Uh, some of them are funny and some of them are, will bring tears to your eyes. Uh, they were that impactful. But uh, Wayne was a master magician of synchronicity he experienced them all the time when you when you open up your crown chakra and your heart it draws the the people places circumstance and events right to you and i met wayne i mean it was a wild moment i met him 17 years apart two times by synchronicity and you know i, I had a i was the second time i met him i was i was giggling i was giggling because i didn't even know he lived on maui I wasn't looking for him. I'm walking along the beach and there he was. And, and one thing led to another and we had a reunion because the first time I met him, uh, I'll never forget the fact that he put his arm around me. He was quite tall. And I looked up at his baby blue eyes and he looked down at me with, with the expression of just pure love. And he says, you know, Ken, I think you and I have one heart. That's what he said to me. And I never forgot that. And I felt it. So when I met him 17 years later, I reminded him and he knew, he remembered. You know, you remember what they say, a moment in the soul can last a lifetime. 
yeah. when you have those magic moments, they're pivotal moments. You don't forget them. They're, they're energetically imprinted into your DNA. I believe, this is my personal belief, that uh, Wayne and I were spiritually connected, not just this, this lifetime, but in another lifetime. Because mm -hmm. I got to know him very intimately. I mean, I shared energetic healing with him. I shared chiropractic treatments. And he opened his heart to me. And I, and I got to know the man. Not just the image, but I got to know the guy. And, and he was a beautiful soul. Yeah. As you know, and helped millions of people. And generous beyond generous. So I just feel so blessed and uh, thankful that the universe, the higher power, whatever you want to call it, God, arranged the meeting. Yeah. So tell us about that time that you bumped into Wayne on the, or next to the beach, really. Well, we were walking, and he lived in Kanapali. He lived in, on, the, on the island of Maui in, in the Kanapali region. And he was walking, he was always on his phone. People were calling him from all over the world. So he's, he's about 100 feet ahead of me on the phone. And when I looked up and I saw him, I got so excited. I just yelled out, Wayne! <laughs> and he looked up and he dropped his phone. Thank God, because he lost the call. He, he had no other choice but to come over and engage with me, and that's when we got reacquainted. Uh, my wife, Judith, was actually with us, so the three of us engaged uh, in about a 15 or 20-minute conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, I reminded him that we had met 17 years prior at, at a chiropractic uh, convention. He was the keynote speaker, and uh, I was just overjoyed. I started quoting his books to him. You know, I started giving him back. So he knew I knew. I had read all his books. He was True a fan. Yeah. It was a mentor of mine. And so, uh, you know, he, he, he had a great smile. We said goodbye initially. And about a half hour later, this is, this is what freaked me out. He came running. He used to run. He was a great mm -hmm. runner. And, and he comes running down the path and he says, Ken. And I looked up second time. And I said, hi, hi, Wayne. It was a half hour. I had into, there was an interval of a half hour. And he said, I got to tell you, this is his words. He says, God spoke to me and he told me you're going to come and help me would you be open to doing that now when someone says that to you what, what would your response be absolutely yeah how can i be of service <laughs> so that's how i got invited to his condo he lived he had two condos one he lived in across the hall is one he worked in mm -hmm. <laughs> he had a long commute and they yeah. both reached the ocean so i had the privilege of spending some time with him on, on several occasions and uh the rest was uh, history. You know, we, we communicated back and forth with emails. And uh, I was very sad when I found out that he had passed. Yeah. And, you know, I thought he left too soon. <clears throat> but they say, no, Ram Das would say, no one dies too soon or too early or too mm -hmm. late. Yeah, Wayne said well, the same time. thing. Yeah, nobody dies before it's their time. <clears throat> you know, he had said to me, he said, you know, Ken, I, I've climbed all the ladders on the rung of life. I'm on the scaffold of my life. The next step is off. So he kind of had a premonition that, you know, he was finished with his mission. He had woken up millions of people. And, you know, he had all the awards and all the toys and all that, but he, he didn't really need anything of this world anymore. And they say you leave when you, when you complete your mission, hopefully. And his famous quote, don't die with your music unplayed. He, mm -hmm. You've heard him say that. I'm, yeah. I'm sure if you read the books. And he played his music. He, yeah. he had an orchestra. He had a symphony. He didn't just have a song. He played a symphony. And, and, and on a human level, yeah, I was, I was very sad, but, but I, like I had to accept it like everybody else. You know, there's a time to be born and a time to die. I think he's such a beautiful example of following that calling with courage and, and you know, um, just really kind of sticking with it. 
and and going in the direction that always felt right to him because he had pressure from his publishers and he had pressure from other people to go in different directions or do things differently than he did um but he really got that message out and and i you know I think that he can be proud of all the work that he did. I'm sure he was. You know, when you hear from people who were close to him, they say he wasn't afraid of death, right? He wasn't afraid. So I think in a sense, maybe he was ready. I don't think we were ready. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe maybe we never really want to say goodbye. But um, I think he was at peace. He was at peace. And he was still doing what he loved. I remember um, he talked to... Um, Oh, gosh, who was that now? Dr. Um, Christian Northrup. Dr. Christian Northrup said, well done, Wayne. Happy, healthy, dead. Like, that's the way to do it, right? <laughs> like, don't, like, have this long decline and suffering. No, you just live, 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 live. Boom, that was it, right? right. Story's he, over. He was the metaphor for a candle burns brightly from the beginning to the end, sputters mm -hmm. once or twice and goes out. He died from a, in his sleep from a heart attack. Yeah, and that's what they autopsy. They never autopsied him, but I think that was the pronounced the cause of death. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember over his bed, he he had pictures all over his house. You know, uh, Oprah Winfrey and Ramdas and his kids, blah blah blah. But on the headboard of his bed was expect a miracle. Mm -hmm. That was that's that was his attitude. Every day was an opportunity to experience the miracle of life itself. And uh, again, I, I feel privileged and honored that I. Uh, had that opportunity to get him in a, to know him in a very uh, intimate and deep way because I did energetic healing with him. He was open to that in addition to chiropractic treatment. And I'll never forget one session uh, when we concluded. I didn't know where he began and I ended, or he ended and I began. Emerged. We we emerged into the unified field. And when he um, he went to sleep after the session because you know he had a lot of people on his wire. <laughs> and he needed to rest. So he went into a deep sleep for about an hour. And when he came out of the room, he looked at me and he said, uh, where did you learn how to do that? In chiropractic college? I said, no, I was, in, I was instructed and uh, trained in a spiritual community. He mm -hmm. said, well, Ken, the truth is, I felt like I went into heaven, a heavenly state of consciousness. And I had a hard time wanting to come back, is what mm -hmm. he told me. He said, so I want to thank you for that. And uh, he says, is there any place I could learn that? <laughs> he was already, he's always open to learning. You know, yeah. Wayne was a student mm -hmm. of life. Yeah, and, uh, he had an adventurous spirit for sure. Open to everything, attached to nothing. Yeah. Now, you call that an attunement. Is that right? The energy well, healing? Well, the form of energetic training I received is the attunement process. And mm. you don't get an attunement. You don't give an attunement. You share an attunement. And it's designed to really reconnect the, the person receiving the attunement, so-called, mm -hmm. to their own soul self. It doesn't. It's not. It's not like Reiki or, or a therapeutic touch or where they're trying to move energy and and direct the body. it. No, the, the attunement opens the portals. There are seven. There are seven endocrine glands which connect us to to spirit, and each one is very specific, uh, uh, attached to an emotion. And they're like gates. They're like valves opened or closed and you can open them energetically and then the person has a greater experience of themselves it's not that they're they're experiencing you they're experiencing their own soul self so in that way it's unique so what's the difference between the seven endocrine glands and the chakras well the seven endocrines start with the pineal which is mm -hmm. your connection to your soul self mm -hmm. then there's the pituitary then you got the thyroid then you got the thymus then you got the pancreas 
Mm -hmm. Then you got the adrenals and the gonads. Uh, they correlate to the chakras, but they're very specifically directed to, towards the glandular function. Now, glands make hormones. Mm -hmm. Hormones on a physical level are very potent modulators of many body uh, chemical processes. So when you open them up, there's a cascading release of various hormones synergistically in the body. Uh, it's almost like a fail-safe system. They all work in conjunction, uh, in, in, like, like a thermostat. They turn on and they turn off. The primary one is the pineal. The pineal is really our crystal connection to soul. Mm -hmm. And uh, if that's not open, not too much else happens in the body. As a matter of fact, when you die, that's where the silver cord is separated from your, your soul self. It's mm -hmm. to the pineal. Now, Joe Dispenza is doing a lot of work. People listening probably have heard of Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. And in his meditations, he has specific uh, frequencies to open the pineal. And, and that's, that's your... Uh, connecting point to soul self. That's really interesting. So you talk about this attunement as uh, the goal being to connect you to your soul self. So if we were connected to our higher self, if we were fully integrated with our higher self, how would that change things for us? Well, you wouldn't be asking anybody else for advice. <laughs> you, you go direct. <clears throat> I'm serious about this. You wouldn't be looking to, uh, to have someone else tell you what to do or not to do. Because your soul already knows. It's, it's the busyness of the human mind that disconnects you from your soul. You know, it, it, it creates interference, static in the system. But once, once those, that field is open, you'll get all the uh, answers to all your questions self-referred. Mm -hmm. you, you won't be going to psychologists, psychologists, or anybody else for, for the answer. Because we all have our own answers. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just that there's a lot of disturbance in the field. You know, if, if a lake is very still, you'll see a perfect reflection of the mountain into the lake. Perfect. But if you emotionally upset the lake by disturbing it, and mm -hmm. that's where most people have the most problem, in the emotional body, not the Surface physical. Surface disturbance. Right. Then you yeah. cannot see clearly. That's why he wrote, I can see clearly now. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was his last book. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to a state and a place of pure silence you'll hear your soul's been talking. you know uh, the soul's talking to us all the time we're just out of directed we have our attention in the wrong place so uh, anyone listening to this the best way to connect to your soul self is through meditation mm -hmm. after the, the mind quiets down the monkey mind you're going to get the uh, intuitive understanding of what your next step should or should not be now there's a lot of different forms of meditation do you have a favorite one I, I did, I was trained by Deepak Chopra, so I did the mantra meditation, primordial sound meditation, but I'm going to be honest with you. Just a simple mindfulness-based meditation practice is fine. You can get that from John Kabat-Zinn. He wrote a book called Wherever You Go, There You Are, yep. with a little companion uh, audio. And, uh, you know, it's all about focusing on the breath and mm -hmm. and and becoming what my friend Ram Das used to say, the loving witnessing presence. Mm -hmm. Become an observer of your thoughts. We're not our thoughts. We mm -hmm. have thoughts. Any more than we're not our bodies. We have an earth suit. Thankful on, on planet earth, you need an earth suit. And we have an emotional body. And that's where most people get into trouble. We don't get training in the, in the right use of emotions. You know, we go to phys ed for our body. You know, we go to school for mental training. But emotionally, people are, are not trained on how to deal with the, with the disturbance. So what do emotions have to offer us then? 
Well, the, the primary uh, emotion is, is love. Love is the connection to God. God they say God is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a lot of subgradients to love. That goes from love to fear and everything mm-hmm. in between. So they all they all serve a purpose, uh, you know, to try to keep us like like gyroscopically on our path. I would say trust your gut. Trust your feelings. If it feels right, do it. If it feels wrong, no matter how much your head tells you to do it, don't do it. You know, listen, listen. And the wisdom of the body will tell you. It's either going to be in your throat, in your heart, in your solar plexus, or in your intestines. You're going to get a feeling. A contraction is no, and an expansion is yes. So when you ask the question of yourself, should I or shouldn't I, ask your body how, how it feels in those different centers. Mm-hmm. And women are much more in touch with this than men, I have to say. Women are much more intuitive. No, they are. It's mm-hmm. just you're wired differently. You're more in touch with your feeling realm. You know, they say women are emotional. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but but it's the some right men are too. I got to give credit. There's there's some really incredible sensitive men out there. But yes, well, I agree with you. It's 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 largely women that are more in tune with, and I think that's cultural too. It's it's not just biological. I think it's cultural too because um, women are. It's okay for them to feel. It's okay for them to publicly display emotion, right? So we're encouraged into fostering that in our lives. Not anger. We can't show anger, but the other stuff, right? Um, but men, they get chastised for it. So. Real men don't cry, right? But mm. they don't believe that. Real men do cry. Yeah. I had the opportunity of interviewing soldiers who came back from the war zones. These are some of the most beautiful men, and they cried in the mm-hmm. interview, uh, you know, describing what they had to do and what they had experienced. So, yeah, it, it, I, it's a it's a platitude. The women and I are more in touch, but yes, a man who has touched his feminine side, because mm-hmm. we have male and female in all of us, mm-hmm. they'll be more sensitive to their feeling them. And won't be afraid to dis- display it at the appropriate time. Now, anger has a role, by the way. Anger is not a bad emotion. There's a time for anger. If you suppress anger, it becomes rage. Rage is toxic. Or illness. Well, it, well, they say cancer, underlying many cancers, is this resentment and anger that has never been expressed in the mm-hmm. world. But anger can get you motivated to move, to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say if somebody violates your boundaries... Speak sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Don't say, well, I don't want to upset, rock the boat, I'm going to suppress this. No, because over time, it's going to build, 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 and then it's going to come out as rage. Mm-hmm. So uh, couples listening to this, speak your truth sooner to each other than later. Don't withhold from one another. I'm married 52 years. I know from once I speak. If something is upsetting you in a loving way, express it in the moment. Don't mm-hmm. say, well, I don't want to upset him, I don't want to upset her. No, no. Honor your boundaries. Be kind, but speak up. Mm -hmm. Don't let it set. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Um, now, I've been thinking about Louise Hay and how she, um, well, she studied this really, but then she created that book of affirmations that off of the premise that symptoms in the body show up in different 
places based on, you know, different triggers. So that if you're, you know, if you're having a pain in your back or something, it can mean this. Um, is that is that something that, that you believe in or something that you've studied? Well, I don't believe in it. I know it. <laughs> I've been a chiropractor for 50, 45 years. I've seen it expressed in somatic illness. Uh, uh, the issues are in the tissues. That was Carolyn Mace's famous. Like that. Uh, the issues are in your tissues. Yeah, the, it's not what's the matter with me. Usually it's who's the matter with me. Who's giving who in your life is the pain in the neck? You know, who who is the pain in the butt? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the pitcher, we call them the pain in the in the derriere. Uh, yeah, everything if an unmetabolized emotion, one that's mm-hmm. not expressed, will get suppressed into the physical body and over time can cause pathology, without a doubt. We know this. This is not theoretical, we know it to be true. You can map the whole body. You know, and every every uh, every every pain down to your little pinky on your left hand means something different than your pinky on your right hand. Mm-hmm. So when someone would come to you as a chiropractor and they're saying, "Oh, I, I've got this pain or that or whatever," you know, what what's the process of treatment for that, or or what sort of questions do you ask people to to help align well, them? <laughs> initially, initially, uh, you know, we do a full physical exam, a full mm-hmm. case history maybe x-ray or MRI or CT studies. So I deal with the immediate concern of the patient. They're coming in primarily initially for pain Mm -hmm. and relief of pain. That's a good motivator, isn't it? Pain. Well, it gets them across the dorsal. You know, the fear fear level goes down when the pain level goes up and you seek help. Uh, So in the early days, I I was uh, uh, not so sensitive to people's emotional conditions. I, I uh, sometimes went right in and said, hey, this is what's going on. And so, of course, no one wants to hear that. And mm-hmm. out they went. So as I became more mature and smarter, I, I dealt with what they came in for. And as we, I could demonstrate, I could give them, quote, relief naturally without drugging yeah. them, without, uh, suppressing it. Then we would go deeper into why do you think you keep having this situation? What's going on in your life? Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell me how's your relationship with your husband or your wife or your kids or your job? And then the people would open up. I had people crying every week in my office. I mean, the releases would just, I, I didn't just treat them physically. I, I, I made space emotionally for them to have a release, a safe place without judgment. That's the key. If people feel they're going to be judged by the doctors, good or bad or indifferent, mm-hmm. they're not going to open their hearts. But the Dalai Lama said it beautifully, in the presence of love, there's no heart that will not open. Mm. Love that. So I tried to create that space for them mm-hmm. uh, where they felt safe. You know, when I was a kid, I was really quite young. My mom started going to see a chiropractor, and he became a good family friend of ours. But so I grew up, you know, going with my mom. I was probably like, gosh, I don't know how young I was. Very small, maybe six years old or something. And she would go to the chiropractor regularly, and he became a family friend, like I said. And so I was aware of this as being sort of a normal modality for helping to take care of your body. But what's interesting about that is she became a real believer that the chiropractic chiropractic care could actually improve the whole health of your body, that it wasn't just about relieving this pain, that it could actually make your organs function better and you could feel better in your life. So I think that was probably like my parents are pretty traditional or pretty conservative, but I think that was my early introduction to um, alternative medicine or alternative treatments. And 
I think it opened my mind when I was a kid. Well, the influence that we have is through the nervous system, which is the control and coordinating system of all body function. Mm-hmm. And when you bring when you bring an alignment, a physical alignment, and the head and the heart coherently align, the emotional body is also tuned up. Mm-hmm. So they work hand in hand. The, the nervous system, the endocrine system mm-hmm. are intimately connected, and it comes primarily through structural alignment. Now, here's what I would say. All illness is usually the result of some conflict pattern that the person's holding. They're thinking one thing and they're feeling another. The mm-hmm. head says, I know this, but, and when the but comes, you got a problem. That creates a physical tension in the body, mm-hmm. which then causes in chiropractic what we call a subluxation, which manifests in a misalignment in the spinal column, the main conduit of the nervous system. So adjustments can reconnect brain and head and heart, but unless the patient really goes deeper and figure out, figures out where the conflict is, it's a revolving door treatment. Back, you got to come three times a week, twice a week, <laughs> once a week. You Eventually, keep getting yourself yeah. out of alignment. Yeah, yeah well, we, we keep recreating the interference pattern. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes some patients didn't have to come three times a week. They could come one to, once or twice, and I wouldn't see them for six months. Others want to need to come every day. Depend on the level of interference and distortion you're carrying. Mm-hmm. Some of the interferences are not just structural; they're biochemical. The nutrition is off, way off. And the others are psycho-spiritual. They've been traumatized. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have, we have structural misalignments, toxins, and psycho-spiritual conflicts. Mm-hmm. All three need to be addressed to heal a person, to help them to heal themselves. There's a misnomer. No one ever healed anybody else. Yeah. We assist the person to heal themselves. Make space for their own healing, which comes naturally when all the interference is gone. It sounds like speaking your truth could be a really powerful a way of life, or even as a as a therapy. That if if you're saying there's this this disconnect between what I think and how I really feel, like like if you're not speaking your truth, if you're not living your truth, that's that's going to create illness in the body, right? Absolutely, unequivocally, the cells are listening. Your body, your little pinky and your big toe are talking to each other. So we used to do kinesiology. You know, we'd ask them a question and we'd muscle test them. <clears throat> so they would say one thing. But when I muscle test them, the body says, nay, nay. They're not telling you the truth. Yeah. They were disconnected. So healing is in the integration of head and heart, mind and body. Mm. That's really beautiful. I love that. And now you've studied a lot of different healing modalities in your lifetime, haven't you? I've been I've been a good subject. I've tried quite a few things, and I and I'm going to say this is a time and place for modern medicine, without mm-hmm. a doubt. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of pharmacology mm-hmm. because you know every time we introduce a medication into the system, we can create more imbalance. We disturb the homeostasis. But there's a time for surgery, and there's a time for short-term use of medicines appropriately. We have unfortunately. Uh, uh, rely too heavily on an outside-in approach. But I don't want to get rid of the emergency rooms. They're necessary. You know, if there's a trauma, there's a car Saved accident. Saved your life recently, too, didn't they? It did. And I am supre- supremely thankful that uh, when I had a heart attack that there was help given to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was a blessing in that heart attack. There was a silver lining for me. And what I came to experience was uh, a, deeper, a deeper connection to my own soul self. And any fear I had, any residue, and I didn't have a lot, but any residue I had fear of doubt about 
well, maybe this is this is all there is. You know, death is either oblivion or it's migration. I now know without a doubt there is no death. And I have no fear of death whatsoever. When I drop my body, I will still be me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's. I think there's almost nothing more comforting than that. Because what is there to fear then, really? What is there to fear? You don't really go anywhere. You're just on another channel. You know, mm -hmm. Wayne might be listening in. Who knows? You know, oh, he I definitely like, is. I feel like he's with me wherever I go anyway. I mean, you know, he's my big brother. <laughs> yeah, I think about the, there's a, I think it's a, a Bible quote, but it's wherever two or more of you gather in my name, there I will be. I, I mean, I'm not saying Wayne was Jesus. He wasn't. But... <laughs> We are all one. We are all God. But I think about that for anyone who's passed on, that that sort of connection, it, it draws them in more, I think, when you have two or more people that are thinking about them or remembering stories with them or, or you know, like in his case, reading one of his books. Like, I, I can't remember what book it was, but there was a page in it that said, you know, wherever you are, whenever you're reading this, we are connecting right now that, you know, time and space is, is basically illusion. And we are having this, this connection in, in whatever time you are reading this like maybe i wrote this years ago and now you're reading it and but i read that after he'd already passed on and i thought ah this is still true this is still true and i feel like there's something really powerful in that and and what an honor it was for him to have put all of his teachings into materials that will outlive him by generations um because there's a piece of him still living and breathing and in you know moving through our lives and into our lives and, and helping us to learn the things that he learned. Thank God he put his uh, books on audio, audio books. Yeah. Because when you listen to his audio books, it's like he's right there. He's right with you. Yeah. And uh, we'll have that, you know, uh, in eternity if they put it on disc form and they, they save it, you can always uh, play it one of his audios and feel like he's right with you. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to do that by my book, too, by the way. I wrote it. It's on e-file, but I'm going to do audio version. I'm going to read my own stories. Great. Yeah, because here's what I've discovered. <laughs> the millennials, please, if any millennials will listen, they don't read for the most part. They're all <laughs> got earbuds. They're on their bikes. They're in their cars. They're on the treadmill. So I'm going to read my stories uh, as an audio book so that mm -hmm. when I drop the body too, maybe I'll live in the immortality by, by people hearing my voice and remembering my stories. And I will read it because I experienced these. They were going to have a professional. They said, well, get someone professional to do it. I said, no, no, I, I live this. Yeah. You're gonna feel you're gonna feel the stories when I read it. You're gonna feel my sadness and my joy when I read these stories. Well, I I, I love it when it's read by the author because then there's more of them in it, and and you get that emotion and that intonation and that personality that you're not necessarily going to get from a great speaker, but it's not the person who wrote it. Now I'm from the Bronx, so my diction may not be perfect, but people <laughs> are gonna feel it when I when I when I read my book. Even though I may mispronounce a word or slur, mm -hmm. you know, people know when they meet me down here in Florida, they say, you're from New York, aren't you? And I said, why? They said, well, you talk funny. <laughs> and now, of course, I say back to them, me? You're the ones who are talking funny. I'm, I'm talking normally. You guys all sound funny. <laughs> a lot of Midwesterners here in, uh, in uh, I'm in Naples, uh, Bonita Springs, the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And they're all from the Midwest, you know, Michigan, uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio, 
mini mini snowda. They don't even call it Minnesota anymore. There's so much snow up there. But they all they all speak beautifully, and, and they all enunciate. But they know right away. They know you're up east, <laughs> and they know I'm not from Boston because I ain't saying pack your car and have it square. You know that's a good one. Well, you definitely bring a presence with you, uh, Dr. Harris, and I love that. And, you know, I I think about the quote often of um, people won't remember the words that you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. And I think about that whenever I whenever I try to share something and I'm like, ah, I'm never going to get the words just right. I'm not going to remember everything. I'm going to forget something. But don't worry about it because it's the heart that comes through. And I think if you open your heart and you show up, then then what comes through is going to reach people. And you have with your book, I think you have every time um, you show up and, and give a talk. So hopefully, um, as the pandemic winds down, fingers crossed, um, you'll have oh, more opportunities. Yeah. It's already the curve is starting to, to flatten. And I just would say this, I don't want to get into a great controversy, but only 10% of the population has been vaccinated. So there's no herd immunity. Yeah. The virus is reaching its own plateau point. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, many comorbid ill people were taken out. And I feel bad about that. Mm -hmm. But that's what viruses do. That's part of the natural bigger cycle. So this virus now is going to come down whether we had a vaccine or not, in my opinion, based on what has happened in the past with other viral pandemics. Do you so, think do you think yeah. fear impacts our immune system? It disconnects. It disconnects. It's one of the worst poisons you could ever have. Mm -hmm. and it could be measured in your T cells, your macrophages, your blood chemistry. When you go into a fear state, you literally create a disturbance in the field, emotionally, physically, and chemically. Mm -hmm. And fear, and that's what's happened, unfortunately. There's been so much fear. People believe the misperception that if you get COVID, you're going to die. And 98% of people will not die. And mm -hmm. we know that. Statistically, they may be ill, they may suffer a week or two or three, but they're going to get better. It's a small percentage of comorbid or people who are already ill, it tipped them. This virus yeah. definitely tipped Well, them I think the truth is we're always facing mortality. We're always facing risks. We quantify some of them. We don't pay attention to others. Um, it's rarely what we focus on of what actually ends up killing us. Um, it's, it's usually something else, right? But um, I, I learned something from Wayne Dyer when he would talk about, you know, when a virus lands on me, I'm like, not today, virus, right? Like you've landed on the wrong person. And he just, I think whatever happened, and it's not like he had perfect health through his life. He didn't. Um, he's human for sure. But I feel like he had this attitude that put him at peace. And that no matter what happens, like he was going to be okay. And no matter what happens with the country with the with the state of things with the restrictions or the lack of restrictions or whatever there's something to learn from this there's something that we are gaining from every experience and often it is the most challenging experiences of our lives that we grow the most from. So if we were to be fully enlightened, we would be sending gratitude in response to um, <laughs> difficulty as it was happening. And right. I know that's that's a hard thing to do, but I think we can take moments where we sit back and go, okay, I have a choice in this. And and choosing love or fear, I think, is one of the most important choices we make. Like, I think it was Einstein who said, you, you need to decide whether you live in a hostile universe or a friendly one, because then it becomes true. And like, 
the one thing that we can count on for certain is that this life is temporary. It's temporary. We are moving through here. We will continue. I have no doubt that we existed before. We will continue to exist. I don't think we're disconnected from our loved ones who have died. I think they're still here with us. I think they're still interested in what's happening in our world, as petty as it may seem to us. They're interested in how we feel about things and what we're learning and what we're discovering and all those aha moments that we get, um, they probably sort of live with a, a greater understanding than we have. But we're just here for a moment. We're here for a moment. And if we spend all of our time trying to make it perfect or trying to prevent every bad thing from ever happening to us, we're never going to have peace. We're never going to have joy. And, and I swear, if we do that and we die, we're going to go, oh, man, like, I wasted it. Like, why did I spend so much time worrying about that? Like, in my own lifetime, I can look back and go, ah, oh, why did I spend so much time worrying about whether I was going to get into college or whether I was going to find a job or whether I was going to find the person I wanted to marry or would I be able to have kids? Like, all those things, right? I could have taken the worry out of it, had the same outcome, and <laughs> really enjoyed the journey. I agree 1,000% everything you just said. We're here for a nanosecond in eternity. We're, we're, we're spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, they say, don't sweat the small stuff. Well, it's all small stuff. All small stuff. Even, even death. Even what people fear the most. And underneath this pandemic was the fear of death. And that's why people were willing to give up their freedoms and lock themselves in their homes. And it's sad. Because as you say, the day you're born, you're destined to at some point say goodbye to everyone and everything you ever loved mm -hmm. at this level of creation. Mm -hmm. Are we connected? Yes, we are. There's no loss. Death is, I can guarantee you this, folks, death is not the end of the show. Mm -hmm. All these illusions that we think we hold on to, we think we, we think we gather things up in our lives. Like, like Dr. Wayne Dyer said, I keep a suit in my closet with the pockets cut out to remind me that you don't get to take anything with you. But the thing is, it wasn't things that we had anyway. And if you can adopt an attitude in life that things are flowing through, you don't really own anything, right? It just, it comes through and it goes out. Oh, there it goes. Well, I enjoyed it. You know, that's all I can get from it. I think there's just, if there's one thing that I think is so important for us to learn, maybe now more than ever, is that you can choose joy. Like people can be suffering. You can be sick and you can still feel joy. Like, like be happy anyway, because you're no good to yourself and you're no good to anybody. And it's just going to get in your own way if you're if you're focusing on things that make you feel bad, you're just gonna feel worse. And and what good, what good does it do well, any of us? In the book Man's Search for Meaning, the guy who wrote the book, he was in a concentration camp. Victor Frankel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people who survived, the one who chose, mm -hmm. who chose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, one of Wayne's favorite quotes, he, he was he, he was comical. You're right. We don't own anything. Mm -hmm. We have the temporary use of many things. And he was very successful on a material level, but he never, it, it didn't really, he knew, he knew it was temporary. And he, he said, you know, Kenny, I ain't never seen a U-Haul behind a hearst. We're not taking anything with us. You know, and I said, you're right. We just have the temporary use. And he was very generous, by the way, for the audience. Listen, Wayne gave tens of millions of dollars to public broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Somewhere, I, I, 
I believe he told me it was almost $250 million that he had generated over 30 or 40 years. He was on PBS almost every day somewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And he gave the proceeds of all his, he used to say, buy the whole enchilada. Right. That was impression. You remember? Get the tapes, get the books. Blah, blah. But he gave most of that money to PBS. Yeah, I saw a, a thread in the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community, uh, I think it was like a week ago, and we were talking about his books, and somebody was sharing, oh, look, I like I bought some new books from Wayne Dyer. And this this one of the ladies commented, and she said, oh, yeah, I used to buy the whole enchilada. And I just love that, because it brings back such memories to me. And like, you know, you have this guy, and he's talking spiritual wisdom, you, you don't, you're not normally like great at sort of sales, but he was, he could, you know, and, and he wasn't like, I don't really don't believe it was for selfish reasons. He just wanted oh. to get the message out and he wanted to help people. And he kept writing books long after he needed to, you know, because he had more, he had more to share, but I discovered him watching PBS and, and I love those talks and I have a lot of them on, on DVD. I think you can only find them on like eBay or something because they originally sold through the through the PBS stations. But I love it. I love his live lectures. His PBS specials reached so many people. I think he probably had the most fun going on talk shows, though. Like he was on The Tonight Show what, like 27 times or something like that. And he had a great sense of humor. He didn't take himself seriously. He, yeah. he knew. He's trained as a psychologist originally, mm -hmm. and, and his evolution of consciousness was from the erroneous zones until I can see clearly now, which is totally a spiritual book. Yeah. So he had his own, you know, he, he went through his own evolution and he took us along with him. I he would did. say that. That's for people. And he was real. You know, he, he wasn't holding himself above and beyond suffering. You know, he, he wasn't afraid to cry if he had to cry, if it was appropriate. And he was a great poet, too. He loved poetry. He used poetry all the time. He shared he a little bit, but I think he wrote a lot more than, than, he, uh, than he shared with us. But, yeah. Well, poetry is the voice of the soul. It's not prose is the voice of the mind. But when you speak in a poetic way, people will remember, like you said before, they'll remember how they feel. And the great poets, and Chopra said this to me too. I, I used to teach Deepak's seven spiritual laws of success all around the country. He said he would want to be remembered not as a writer, but as a poet himself. Mm. He said simply because the poets are eternal. Wadsworth, Longfellow, you know, you, you can name uh, Shakespeare, blah, blah, blah. People remember the language of the soul. I think that poetry, much like music, much like music is kind of a, a fast track to the emotions, right? It gives you the experience without it having to be filtered through the mind. So let me ask you this, since we talk about being remembered, how do you want to be remembered? Um, that's a good question. Well, I would like people to, to remember me as someone who was there for them, that they could call me day or night and I would show up. Because I, I'm, a, I'm a really good friend to have. I, I really, you know, I really do love people and I've been there for people and people have been there for me. That's probably why my life was spared and saved. The EMT guys, strangers, total strangers saved my life. I mean, they came, they didn't know me from Adam and yet they risked their own lives en route to the hospital to get across the divide on the highway and go north on the south side to get me to the ER on time so they could save my life. And they didn't have to do that. So I guess that was my karma coming back. I have, I have been there for many, many people in my own life mm -hmm. and vice versa. And when I put my book out, I sent this to 
about 40 people and I got 40 endorsements. Now the publisher says you can't put them all in there. But if you read the endorsements, everyone who gave me an endorsement in this book genuinely spread their, their, their truth. But I have helped every one of those person, people in some way in my own life. So I wanted to be remembered as a friend, Nadia, to put the long and short of it. Mm -hmm. Someone you could call on day and night and he'd show up and help. Well, I definitely think of you as a friend and I feel blessed that we connected. You're one of the reasons that I ended up doing the podcast and that it ended up becoming what it was because we had connected, I think, at the end of December uh, the year before. And then um, several months later, I, I'd been trying to figure out, like, I knew I wanted to bring you on. I knew I wanted to, like, um, share a conversation with you in front of the group because I knew people would just love this and love you, and I'm sure they do. And um, and then I started this podcast, and I was like, oh, this would be perfect for that. So you were my first guest. So if people haven't heard that, go check out Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life at NadiaDelacruz.com, and it's called Synchronicity with Dr. Ken Harris. I think it's episode... I want to say like episode four, but you'll find the name. So I wanted to read just a little um, um, bit from one of your handouts, which is your principles of synchronicity. The universe will align you with people, things, and situations that match the energy and frequency you are expressing. People move in and out of your life path based on the law of attraction. The universe is always speaking to you. Pay attention. It's sending little messages to get your attention and remind you that we're all connected and we're not walking through our lives alone. No one is sent into your life by accident. They are either a lesson or a blessing. What's meant to be yours is already finding its way to you, often through synchronicity. Focus on the powerful, euphoric, magical, beautiful, and synchronistic parts of your life and the universe will keep giving them to you. I love that. Thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for the amazing book. I've got a signed copy here. You may still offer those on his website. I'm not making any promises. Um, but check it out. Uh, Synchronicity with Dr. Ken Harris. Um, you can go to drkenharris.com. Again, doctor spelled out. Yeah. Any parting words? What, what do you want people to know today? Well, I want them to know how much I appreciate and love you. Oh, and I am so happy. And this is not going to be your last broadcast. You're going to have a whole career of this stuff moving forward. You're a natural, you're a natural born interviewer. I mean, I, I find it joyful just to be here having a conversation with you. And everybody else off is, in my mind, flies on the wall. But we had fun. You and I had fun tonight. And, and that's what it's all about. Just to be real, genuine, authentic, your yourself. You know, someone said, you better be yourself because everybody else is taken. Right. So I love the fact that you're comfortable being who you are. I'm comfortable being who mm -hmm. I am and invite the rest of the world into this conversation and encourage them to be themselves. Well, you know, Ken, I don't know any other way of doing it. So I just <laughs> show up and this is what you get. I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. Sometimes I break into tears, but do you know what? That's it. That's real. This is me. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to some of our um, audience today. I see um, Kelly, Audrey, Melissa, uh, JR, Nancy, Sue, Diana, Ronnie, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Um, he was another. Hey, Brandon from Australia. Yeah. Come he on, was... 
<laughs> he was another one of my guests on the podcast. Um, we're also good friends now as well. I meet such amazing people doing this. Um, everyone who's been able to join us today, thank you for being here. Everyone who's watching the replay, I'm going to uh, put this on the podcast and um, I'll have it available on my YouTube channel. I put all of the videos we do for the Wayne Dyer Wisdom community on my YouTube channel, so I'll put a link down here later. But um, yeah, thanks everyone for joining us, and um, thank you, Dr. Harris, for um, this really enjoyable conversation. I like that we got to dive a little deeper into health and healing and and, and bring some of your, your wisdom forward, and I'm certain we will do this again. Thank you so much, Nadia. And just a little shout out, folks. I don't know if you know this, but this woman here is one talented artist. <laughs> and I don't know if you're going to offer your artwork, but I encourage you to create an art form place where people can go. And she's got some incredible pictures of her children mm -hmm. and of Wayne himself. She did a yeah, beautiful Yeah, this Wayne. was one of my, I, I did this on the fifth anniversary yeah, of his passing. Can yeah. Can you show it? Oh. It's beautiful. I mean, multi-talented. And that's, that's drawn. That's not a photograph. <laughs> Captured his, his mug. Yeah, actually, I'm working on a, an Oracle deck. So because I'm also a card reader. Go. So it's probably going to take years. But eventually, someday, I'm going to have a really cool Oracle deck. Well, I want to copy when you have it. Perfect. I will let you know. Um, right. Yeah, well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Harris. And we will see you again. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste. Adios. Go with God, folks. That's what it means. <laughs>I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.